Hey, I'm Ty Snaith, and this is A World of One's Own, a series of conversations with women and non-binary artists I respect and admire. The episode you're about to listen to is from Season 1, which was originally called A World of Her Own. It was part of the exhibition Unfinished Business, Perspectives on Art and Feminism at ACCA. For more information about the podcast and the artists I'm speaking to in Season 2, head to tysnaith.com. And now, here's the episode. You know, I think for every artist, there's times where you feel like, oh, it's not worth it, I don't want to do it and things. But what can happen to me is that all the things that I push to the side, I allow come in, to come in. So I then do all these things without even realising it. I think it's harder for men to do that in some ways because they've made a kind of career choice, whereas I can just, the space that I have to keep clearing, I can just like let it grow over and then I can, I can just have a gap. I'm Ty Snaith, and this is A World of Her Own, a series of conversations with Australian women artists I respect and admire. Today, I'm delving into the bold interior world of painter Catherine Haddam, a woman with a fierce interest in psychoanalysis who comes from a long line of talented readers. She has studied literature, politics and psychology just as much as she studied art. Catherine's paintings and assemblages are held in pretty much every public collection in Australia, and for good reason. She has a powerful voice and believes that the domestic space is not at all tame. In fact, it is just as potent as any other area of life, worthy of an artist's interrogation. Today we cover many juicy subjects, including the important role of our unconscious and who is on her list or pantheon of greats. Hi. <laughs> I'm so, I'm not sure if I mentioned this to you earlier, but the title of my project, A World of Her Own, um, rips off Virginia Woolf's mm-hmm. essay, A Room of One's Own. And I was sort of thinking before you came about your work, and the room seems to feature quite heavily, or the interior. I think, um, and Virginia Woolf does, because she's always been a, like what I've, connected with in her is the fact that she merges in that whole stream of consciousness sort of modernist approach she merges the inside world and the outside world like what's going on in your head and what's going on in the outside and Mm. I've always been very influenced by been influenced by that for a long time and it's like I you know it's how you your whole experience of the world in a day is is influenced by what's going on inside your head and also what's going on unconsciously so it's like you know I don't I mean she was at the same kind of time as Freud but I don't know whether she was directly influenced by Mm. him but she certainly connects into that and I've been very interested by by psychoanalysis. I think she does actually mention Freud in that in that essay in part of that essay at the end because I just reread it the other day right and I was interested by that so in your work you actually use uh, direct references to text that you've read by putting the front title page of a book sticking it onto the actual work or collaging I'm, I create a – what I've done, it's like since um, my mother died and she was really a huge reader. She was like someone who was who left school at 15 because of the Second World War and was self-taught, but she read and was a very um, kind of talented reader. She was really good at – she could read kind of anything difficult and understand it and things. And she – when she died, we all divided up her books and they were – 
we had a lot of the same ones. So um, we, I decided to repurpose some, like make, oh. you know, and that was like a kind of um, homage to her as well. Yeah. And also to the books because I um, went to university instead of art school at the beginning and read literature and uh, like a psychoanalytic understanding of political science. We read a lot of psychoanalysis. So those two things have been very important to me yeah one of the titles that just looking at um your works so, and you know some of them i guess pop out to you more than others but the one that struck me and, and how it relates to your work particularly was the divided self yeah which uh i read a long time ago but i'm keen to reread actually but the way that that also works with what you were just talking about the sort of internal or the unconscious and then the way that we project ourselves mm -hmm. publicly or as he says you know sanely yeah. to the world and do you feel like I mean for you the artwork that you present I know you talk about it sometimes as a window to to that interior world and they are literally through windows a lot of the more time, recently yeah yeah so do you think of that as a sane projection or a pure like authentic projection is it what's the filter there or how do you I think it. I think that would be kind of like that whole Winnicott stuff of the true self. It'd be. It's really um, part of my being an artist is about that. It's about having, you know, refinding access to that. So it's not like it's insane. It's more that it's. Um, I mean, it might be, but it's more that it's what really. You know, it's like you, especially as an oldest child. I think you can have this managing kind of competent self and then there's this other so mm. the whole thing of being an artist is not that so much it's like the more um getting in touch with more profound emotions and that you can't necessarily express in words either no yeah yeah i i'm an i'm the eldest child too and i right. i feel like there's an uh i mean my life and i do lots of um analysis and right. counseling and just that there's a sense of responsibility that comes with that or being, you know, getting your shit together, having it sorted out. Whereas yeah. for me, like, that artwork often is a way of tapping into that, the messiness or the the unruliness of your unconscious mind, which is quite different to that. Yep. And, and that, I mean, I can kind of see that in your work as well. Well, I often have a thing where I have a, like, a digital clock mm. on the table and then these these from louise bourgeois actually these more analog clocks and it's like there's this unconscious time and real time and how the unconscious can suddenly kind of erupt into the hmm. present so yeah i'm conscious i'm thinking about that sort of stuff uh you know in most of the works i think do you think that time is um is kind of like controllable do you think that time can no. be no you think that's something that's completely out of... Well, because it's unknowable. And mm. so it's like something where it... I mean, it's kind of by definition under the unconscious. Is. So it's like it does... It can appear, you know, when you don't want it or when you're not expecting it or... But it doesn't mean that, like, you're in it. It doesn't mean you're... you're it's, it's something that you have to be kind of in tune with, I think. Like, mm. or, or maybe not. I mean, maybe it can be more powerful than that. And throughout your life, have there been points where you felt more in tune with that unconscious than others? Yeah, I think as I got older, I think more. I mean, because I think I definitely think as an oldest child, I was, and we were. I was oldest of like three under four, so my mother was working full time. So, I mean, we You're had a parent almost, aren't you? Yeah, we had live-in help, but it was like, 
Yeah, it was, um, I was like this good little kind of parenty person. I mean, not entirely, but, and I did do a long psychoanalysis. I did like six years or five days a week. So it was like uh, that. And um, uh, I think it's been a gradual process of kind of coming to know myself. On that, which is a good segue, um, because I'm really fascinated in this stuff and have been reading a lot lately about the unconscious and and just the way that often artists work through their work to get to know themselves. I definitely do that. Just what do you find most confronting about yourself? I think my anger. Right. But um, I don't go around talking about it. No, that's the same with me. It's, I, I completely get it. I think there's a type of power in anger, but it's, um, it's, quite, conf- it is, it's quite scary for those around my personal experience because yeah. be, that would be my answer too. And I've really been shown that by my daughter who's been very perceptive about, you know, like, and, yeah, and, and also forthright. So it's like being... Uh, you go, oh, oh, you know, it took me, it's taken me a long time to understand. You know, it's definitely, I mean, I'd say the process of having children has been an incredibly enlightening process as well. This is is also something everyone has in common as a woman. And and has that changed the way that you see your work? Uh, No, I think the work is really much more profoundly personal and it's like, um, I mean, I think my whole, uh, if I think about, you know, feminism and the ACA show and things. And I think my work is will never be obviously feminist. It's like it's not because I kind of think the work comes from a deeper part than than the political. And so... Or the academic. But yeah, when you say the political... the political... I mean, I just don't think I would ever make a work that is like... Um, you know, I think my approach is much more indirect. It's like... Mm like by valuing the domestic, by valuing the personal and by seeing them as where a lot of very, very important things happen as opposed to out in the political world. But So that is often, I don't think that would be recognised by some people. Oh, it's definitely recognised by me and I think actually it's, it's almost more powerful than through an academic lens. I mean, I'm really interested in people like Anne Marsh who talk about doing feminism, which I think you know, yeah. comes across in your work and, I, and the idea of like denoting the domestic or symbols from the home definitely speaks about that. But it is interesting how a lot of women who I think are essentially feminist um, don't refer to themselves as that or don't see that they fit into this framework, which is kind of crazy to me. I I do I would call myself that, but mm. I don't think that other people would. So mm. I, I'm sh- so, and I think it's also a weird thing about visual art because I think in literature, you know, like Jane Austen, um, the Brontes, it's like it's all been accepted for a hundred years that that is a valid subject. Mm. Whereas I think with visual art, it's like to be accepted as feminist, you need to be doing something uh, overtly political or radical. Yeah, and overtly political, yeah. which I think is like the top of the tip mm. of something. It's not really where important stuff happens. Um, and I don't think it's where good art comes from. No, I agree. So. I agree with you that on that. But I think the domestic also has been a bit of a taboo for women. I mean, it's something that obviously is essential to most women in their lives that have had families, or even that haven't. But still within the art world, often you, as a woman, you come up against kind of like 
you know, even when people say, oh, she makes work on a domestic scale. Like yeah, well, in, people see it as tame. Like it's and an I, insult or yeah, something. And I don't think the domestic is tame. No, neither do I. I think it's really like um, much more... I've got a, there's a really good quote I should have actually, I should actually tell you later. It's mm. a quote from Graham Little, who was a professor who uh, was very influential to me in political science, who was, you know, very interested in psychoanalysis and things. And he wrote in my catalogue about the, the, the importance of the domestic. I'll find the quote because mm. it's like where um, a lot of really, you know, it's things that actually affect people's lives forever mm. happen. So, Where they grow up and they form their ideals and yeah 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 and, and that, uh, yeah. yeah and also I think that's is where interesting art can happen too. It's like um, mm. and I think for men and women it's mm. not just it's not limited to women at all. But it's like being able to tap into something um, deeper and maybe even something that everyone identifies with because everyone at some point experienced that you know yeah that growing think, up and mm. that that home or that sort of framework of the private as well yeah and those those primary relationships mm. and that sort of thing is like that's the sort of stuff that um interests me i mm. think and so when you think about like over your life you think about other artists that um you've you consider as influential on your work or are they i mean would you say they're predominantly women or men or or is that not necessarily something you oh uh, no it's actually it's something that i'm really conscious of right at this moment but it's like the thing is that i think for me and it's probably true of quite a lot of women my the very first influential people for me was a my father he mm. was a like a gynecologist who became an artist mm. and he was a very good father and a very good you know, he was very encouraging to me, came to all my shows and would talk to the, me about the pictures. And then there's been, you know, someone, someone like Arthur Boyd saw my drawings when I was 16 and said to my parents to take her out of school, like she should just oh. do that. And they said, no, they didn't want me to be an artist. So, like, I, so I went to university. <laughs> they they didn't even want me you. to meet any artists. And, <laughs> and then um, people like Jan Sinberg, Dale Hickey, you know, they've all been male. Mm. They've been very, um, but they have a different, I do think there's a different relationship that they have towards me. Mm. It's like, but oh, they've been important influences for me. But then more recently it has been, it probably started with Louise Bourgeois, um, mm. and it has been, like I just did this work which um, uh, was in my exhibition, which you saw, which mm. was the re, rewriting um, Gustin's. I love that work. Yeah, and I, and mm. I do really love his work. Mm. But when I looked at his things, saying my pantheon, and it has <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, and they're really good. Yeah. They're terri- you know, they're Piero della Francesca, mm. Giotto, Masaccio. You know, like there's yeah. no argument. They're Indisputable. Great, yeah, yeah, great artists, mm. but also from a long what time ago? Mm. Whereas I and I, I looked at it and I thought, hey, they actually aren't the people I have in my head mm. in the studio. They're really not. Not just. I just I thought no. One of the people I'm really interested in at the moment is Rose Wiley, mm. who's like. I don't know if you know no. her work. Well, she's English. There's a very good thing on YouTube with her. She's mm. English. She's in her 80s. Mm. She had. Um, she does these enormous paintings of movies and things like she's done them of like Tarantino movies and things like. She's this English woman who lives out in the you know kind of some town out somewhere, <laughs> and uh, she she's had like a lot of success in her 80s. It's like Amazing. she was kind of discovered by Jennifer Higgy and people in mm-hmm. Free in Freeze magazine Jennifer and Higgy's other. Jennifer Higgy's fantastic. Yeah, well, she was at the VCO with me. She was at the next yeah. door studio, which I'd never really kind of 
If anyone listening doesn't know Jennifer Higgy's work, she writes for Freeze and she has an amazing Instagram account. Lot, yeah, it's fabulous. Yeah. And yeah. she just every day features a woman whose birthday it is on that day from history and often you've never heard of them and they're just incredible. She's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's very yeah. good. Yeah. But um, she did a, like there's a thing on YouTube of her and then other people did, Jermaine Greer's done something about it, but she's, no, they're really exciting paintings. They're very hmm. um, formally risky and bold and yeah look at them they're kind of they're they're just really powerful and so that would be like the person I'm most influenced by at the moment and most interested in Mm. and down the sides of my pictures at the moment I've had bits from hers that like they really give you a lot of freedom especially since I know I'm covering them with the veil they're the women they're sort of like yeah Venus changing her shoes and stuff there's like these really they're pretty and yeah they're, they're um they look they look Kind of primitive, but they're not. They're very skilled, really. Mm. Um, but anyway, she had children, gave up. She went to art school, had children. And then in one of the interviews, they say, do you regret that? And she said, no, having children is a very important yeah. thing to do. And, and uh, yeah, she's, she, so there's her, Louise Bourgeois, mm. um, Agnes Martin. That's mm. what I did, my alternative. And um, Joan Mitchell. Mm. And I could, I could do like 10 yeah. paintings like that. But those are all, not 10 paintings, but they are all important to me. When more, I s- more, more American and not so much. Mm. Uh, though I have liked Margaret Preston and mm. Grace, those yellow, the late mm. paintings of Grace Cosling and Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I saw that painting of yours in your last show, it sort of made me think about, it's almost like documenting publicly a legacy or framework that you... You, you know you're imagining yourself within or what came yeah. before you that's informed you but it's sharing that with an audience it's like they can't get it wrong you know it's like yeah. putting it there so they can't get it wrong which is smart but not many people do that and particularly not women but everyone I've spoken to talks about the idea of context um, and with you I mean it's obvious you have that context but legacy I mean is that something that you think about well the other day Dane really shocked me because she said, so what do you want to happen to your work when you die? And mm. I said, what do you mean die? I'm not going to die. And, it's, and I said, oh, I've divided between my children. But I don't, I don't think, I'm like in the midst of it. I don't yeah. really think like that. I do think of more like like what I connect with. Mm. You know, look, I, I feel, no, I don't really. Do you think about what you are doing for younger artists? Do you ever think about that? you know that you're one of those artists for people um I'm kind of not it's only my daughter who said to me do you realize that people know who you are and I said no <laughs> and and because uh, she went to the VCA and she said people would say they knew it. so um and I have um a very really terrific young artist Julia Stewart who's been helping me she's I'm interested in her work she comes mm. like a, a one morning a week and kind of does IT because I'm useless at it <laughs> and um, so something like that, I'm very, mm. but it's not like, I, lo- I enjoy, and also I go to young, I go to a lot of, you go of, to a lot, yeah. yeah, because it's also, it's like, that's kind of where it's interesting, mm. it's like, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on, I mean, partly, and also my son Will has a connection into that, as a connection a into painter. that generation, yeah. yes, um, yeah, like I've met people like Aaron Carter, I mean, William McKinnon, who's like, who knows yeah. a lot of, and then Harriet's younger again. Mm. So she's Harriet Morgan. So luckily, we've all got all the different names. You do all have different yeah, it's names. it's kind of handy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think, um, I mean, I think I probably in the end really think about me, but I do think about what's 
before me and also I do think about the next generation but more like I get I, t- I get you take from, from that. that as well yeah. yeah that's a really really good way of working I think it's not like one way one, it's not like a no. one way street is it no 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 because no, there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening it's like so when you were having your children or when you're in that sort of last period where they were growing up did you you work through that whole time Oh yeah, I've. Um, I remember. I think in a kind of panicky way, in some ways, when, when I had, I always, yeah, I did always work. I'd get up at five, get up before they got up and work, and, and then I remember when Harriet was born. So I had like three children then. I remember making these big drawings to go in a show, and she was like three months old. And I thought later, why on earth did I do that? It's like it was like this fear that I might kind of drown and not. Um, but I kind of regret that in some ways. I think that. But when you talk about that fear that you might drown, I think it's something worth opening up there because I, I have experienced a similar thing, and I know a lot of my peers that are, you know, in that stage of having young children and are practicing artists experience that that almost desperation to be visible, um, and maybe like that pressure to make bigger things or to make uh, louder things or more substantial. I just think to make things. To make things. So to not just go, oh, I'm going to do this, and then you finish up like folding the washing and doing <laughs> it, and that's all you do. Yeah. So it's like, and I still, I mean, at the moment, mm. I still have gone back to the thing of getting up early to work because I have a whole lot of other domestic stuff that is uh, could be overwhelming, and it's like very important to me that I do it. People have said to me, um, Oh, it's amazing you're able to produce a show at the moment. And I said, no, no, it's not. It's like, it's not. It's like I need to. It's You've like, always done that as well. Yeah, and also when there's there's difficult stuff in other areas, mm-hmm. I think it's it's very important to be able to have that connection to yourself and that peaceful that world, time. World. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's, there's I mean, everyone speaks. It's interesting because every woman I speak to has a similar version of that. Right. Um, some people, you know, Claire Lamb talked about this idea of being behind a sheet of glass when she's working her in her world or her studio or her, on her work and that, that that's even an imaginary boundary that right. she like a distance and that I think is a it's it's a it's to keep sane in a way isn't it like it's not to it's to to not lose yourself yep yeah and that's yeah. something and there's that, also deadlines and there's also things projects and things but it basically it's it's there's a real drive and a, like a desire to do it which is like that's the thing that um, otherwise. I mean, there's lots of people who who want to do something and don't. It's like there's this thing that shifts you over into that thing where you do do it. Do you have to have a reason to make work? Like, do you have to have I a show? I often have or... had a reason, mm. and at them, and but uh, I I think I I make I would kind of make work anyway. Like mm. I, you know, I think sometimes I think oh maybe it'd be kind of sensible financially not to make any and then I think mm, no I like making it so but it's also like I mean at the moment I've just come to the end of a lot of like almost kind of too much work that I had to do in the last six months and I'm looking forward to another six months where there's like an exhibition at the end of it but mm. I really like the idea of being able to not have like to have a bit of time to to um, gather more kind of like to experiment experience. to to um not feel like any public thing over my shoulder kind of thing. Um, but I, I think I invent, you know, I think what happens with mo- a lot of women is that it's it's very easy to, f- if you're, you know, I think for every artist there's times where you feel like, oh, 
it's not worth it, I don't want to do it and things. But what can happen to me is that all the things that I push to the side, mm. I allow come in, to come in. So I then do all these things without even realising it. I think it's harder for men to do that in some ways because they've made a kind of career choice, whereas I can just, the space that I have to keep clearing, I can just like let it grow over and then I can, I can just have a gap. I can have a gap of, you know, I could actually have a gap of, three months and yeah. I mean I have in the past where yeah. they say like with children or whatever I'm not going to this time I'm, I want the space but yeah. um so I love yeah. that I kind of love that analogy in your work as well of the the space like um, the idea of space both literally and you know figuratively and that idea of clutter which I think is a very female problem to that we're supposed to deal with often in the home or you're expected to you know be be clean and sparse it's supposed to be but for me that I think is quite liberating to allow clutter or to have um, a way of letting that in and almost like sorting through it or just looking at it you know that it's kind of almost progressive to you are a minimalist no I'm not I'm not this is just clean it's not usually this but I like my oldest son who Charlie who says looks at my pictures and he goes, no, it's too much going on. Like, you know, and, and I think my aim is to try and empty, like, the house and the pictures. Yes, our house is, like, way too cluttered. And it's like I, I've not, I would like not to be. That's my aim. But, but I kind of think that's the beauty of your paintings is that there's so many visual. So, my yeah. aim is to empty them out. So do you think as you get older, like, what, what we'll see is, like, emptier pictures? I think um, <laughs> that's possible, but I, I don't know if they'll be emptier. I think I want them to be a bit bolder. Ah. I think that's... They're um, pretty bold already. Yeah, I think I'd like them to be more... Uh, anyway, I know what I kind of know what... So I think when you say, do I need a reason? I mean, mm. at the moment, the reason I is kind of an internal one. There's things that I want to do, like, and I don't really kind of care where, if they go anywhere. It's what like, are the things on your list um, you I would like to use more text. Mm. I'd like to be less... Uh, I basically like to be a bit more adventurous, like a bit more... Um, like loose or something. Yeah, a mm. little bit like... Yeah, and that, that will be interesting to see if I can because I do think it is like you keep, you know, producing you kind of thing on the on the page. It's like yourself. So it depends whether I can be it's a little bit less. Yeah. yeah, that is confronting. But I want – that's the reason that I would like to make the next lot of work. It's not really – I have got mm. opportunities and deadlines, but that's not why I want to do it. So, you want to work through those issues within yeah. yourself. That's really yeah. interesting. Could something you make fail? Do you ever look at something and say that's failed? Yeah. And so what how does it fail? How can something fail? It depends it, it depends um sometimes it takes me a while to realize that it has. And that's also what I would like this time is to have like a bigger gap between mm. finishing the work and exhibiting it so I can like perspective. Yeah. I I've often worked in the past on quite a lot of work and then do an edit at the end and mm. say not that not that and then and then I sometimes rework things. Um, I quite often rework things, and I quite like that. Like there's a painting, picture, big picture in the Art Gallery of New South Wales, which I finished in 2008, and then I complete, like didn't completely, but I reworked probably to half of it in 2012, for whatever, for my mm-hmm. first show at Danes. And so you can see bits. It's a, so I just looked at it and I thought, no, that, like it wasn't a. It, anyway, it was just very nice to be able to, especially with collage. I mean, you can do the same thing with cut it paint. up. 
Well, I didn't cut oh. it up. I just, I just covered part, you know, ah. reworked parts of it, mm. and so it gave it this kind of richness. So it wasn't mm. exactly a failure, but it was. But it needed that time. Yeah, and yeah. it was like it turned out to be really quite a complex uh, and I think successful picture. But so does that mean you have to keep everything? No, no, I chuck stuff. Do you chuck stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I find it really fascinating because lots of people speak about that things they've made in certain decades of their life or periods of their life at the time they don't think that much about it and then maybe as time goes on they think oh actually that one thing was is relevant now and maybe wasn't relevant then yeah i think that's true so is that more like a motif that pops back up or you or you understand it finally or something like that i sometimes like delete motifs too it's Mm. like ones where i look and i go no i'm sick of that one Or, Mm. or i but so i do keep some pictures where uh, I'm not entirely happy with them, and then later they look better, kind of thing. But um, I do get rid of stuff. I mean, mm. I, you know, it's like especially because a lot of my work initially was on paper, so that was partly because in like both my marriages, it was like very good. I worked on these 56 by 76 sheets, so I could do like six of size. them, or I could do four of them, mm. or I could do one or two. And we did a lot of like. Um, my husband Jim was running places in, like, you know, all over the, like, uh, Broken Hill and South Australia. And, and we used to go there quite often, and, like, school holidays and things, we would all go. He'd go much more often. Mm. And I would often just take a little, like, a packet of that paper. Yeah. So I could, whereas, and I look back at my peers, male peers, you know, John Catapan, those who, they've all got lots more paintings than I have because mm. I've got a lot of works on paper. But that's so, a, I, I mean, I look at period of my life and it's all works on paper, but that's a, I think that's quite a female thing as well because it's flexible. It's much more flexible. It's easier to store. Yeah. It's like, it's more approachable. You can work with it without using oils and terps mm. and through having children, you, you have to use things that don't have fumes and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But, but there is a certain funny thing about works on paper, isn't there? Well, I think a lot of artists' best works are their works on mm. paper. If I look at someone like Albert Tucker, I can't stand the paintings, mm. but I like some of those images of rock modern evil mm. and works on paper are really got different quality altogether. Oh, Joy Hester as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Predominantly works on paper. Oh, yeah, her paintings. Oh. Yeah. And, and yeah, actually, Louise Bourgeois' paintings, I don't like much. But her either. works on paper are amazing. Yeah, fabulous, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's a... Is that sort of like a... Because you can't rework it, really, can you? Unless you stick stuff over it. But it's yeah. an instant a connection or... I don't, I don't know. know. It's <laughs> like, I, I would say that my thing about works on paper is across both, you know, like all mm. whatever. It's not just specific to women, but I think I can see why I used it. Because it was... And also, like, oil paint, if you leave it for three days, you come back and it's kind of... You know, you've lost a whole lot of... Whereas you can leave works... You know, I drew... I just drew for, like, the first 10 years. So that was... And that was something my father was always at me, like, saying, why don't you paint? And I'd say, yeah, yeah. And I, it's a foundation, know. though. Yeah, I think well, that's what also it is. I just did the... I got a huge amount out of doing black and white drawings. So mm. then they got they were bigger. They were, you know, they... Mm. That was within... But it was also because it was a very easy thing to pick up and drop and, mm. you know, it's like all of that. One final um, question, just before we wrap up: is What what keeps you awake at night? Anything? Some people don't wake up at night at all. Oh no, lots of things keep me awake. Um, I I like um, watching um, stuff on TV that I you know not TV so much as you know like uh, series stuff which actually will make me not go to sleep. I I think 
being able to achieve what I want to. It's like, and also I do feel, no, actually if I want to be like about something more, like more external is I do feel quite angry about the things like the National Gallery's treatment of women. Mm. I do feel like the fact that, and I think it's been a, 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 worthwhile anger because people agitating has mean meant that at least this show that opens tonight of four women mm. you know to equal one man at least that has happened and that's happened because of pressure people being it would loud not have it. happened mm. otherwise at all yeah. it's like it's like this i and I also don't know why it's gratuitously offensive but it's it's funny though that anger you know which i experience a lot as well i think a lot of people a lot of women do is something that um, we've traditionally been told you're not really meant to express that, you know, unless you want to burn a bridge or unless you want to get yourself in trouble or mm. people to hate you or people think you're a bitch or whatever. But I actually think that anger is quite important right now in this time. It's still a lot of people keep it well under the... Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. And, and Australia, and particularly Melbourne, is way behind the times. It's like if you look at the Tate... Tate Modern, and you look at um, the Met, they've all brought women into their, you know, into their hangs. Mm. They've all done, they've got directors and people who, I mean, Australia is like a backward country in comparison to that. Mm. And that certainly does on a superficial level. Yes, it does. I mean, it's in the end, I kind of think, well, you know, there's a lot more important things in life, but that is, yeah, it definitely does. I think it's, it's something that needs to change. Yeah, well, let's hope it is changing. I think um, we've reached we've reached okay. our limit, but I really thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you today, and I'd like to thank you for your time, Catherine. It was terrific for me too. Thank you. It's great. <laughs> Don't you just love Catherine's bucket list of being bolder, more adventurous, and loose? I was really taken and inspired by her understanding of self determination through her practice especially when she talked about the fact that you keep producing you on the page and how she can be in control of this, even in the future. Oh, and the quote that Catherine mentioned earlier, the one from Dr Graham Little? Well, here it is. I don't know why art critics assume paintings with domestic settings have to be tame. In psychoanalysis, the Bible, Shakespeare, George Eliot, Christina Steed and a film like Happiness, to name just a few examples, Domesticity is fraught and intense. Indeed, the world can appear as anticlimax, a mere rerun of family life. And he adds that politics is family disputation by other means. Hmm. This conversation was recorded for the series A World of Her Own as part of the exhibition Unfinished Business, Perspectives on Art and Feminism at the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art. It was recorded by me, Ty Snaith. I'm an artist for those of you who don't know my work. If you liked exploring Catherine's world with me today, you might like to delve into some other worlds by downloading more episodes directly from the ACCA website. Visit www.acca.melbourne where you will find the World of Her Own link under Programs or from SoundCloud if you visit soundcloud.com forward slash ACCA underscore Melbourne. I would like to give a big thanks to Beck Fari for audio post-production and Melbourne musician Fia, spelt P-H-I-A, for letting us use this track, End of the Day, from her album, The Ocean of Everything. Thanks for listening to this episode from Season 1. 
The podcast now lives at tysnaith.com, so head over there for more information about the show and the artists I'm speaking to in Season 2. And thanks again to Acker for all their support with Season 1.